0: hallelujah it's wonderful to be together in the house of the lord praise god i would like to just go straight into the word tonight um i feel like the lord's been dealing with me throughout the day today um You know, the scripture, the Lord said, Draw nigh to me, and I will draw nigh to you. Draw nigh to me, and I will draw nigh to you. You ever, you don't have to raise your hand or anything, but have you ever tried to draw close to somebody and they did not reciprocate? You ever had that happen? I, I, I remember every once in a while, like, I know you'll find this hard to believe maybe, but I would do something to aggravate my kids. And, uh, then I'd try to hug them and they did not want any of that business. They're like, daddy, leave me alone. I was trying to draw an eye to them, but they were not reciprocating in the moment. Uh, If we want a closer, deeper, abiding relationship with God, He has already promised if we draw nigh to Him, He will draw nigh to us. He will reciprocate. And so, a deeper, abiding relationship with Him is based on us seeking to draw closer to Him. The... uh, I find it interesting, I've been reading the book of Joshua the last week, week and a half, and uh, I haven't made it past the ninth or tenth, I guess I've made it to the tenth chapter. I'm a slow reader some days. Um, It's pretty interesting, some things we read. I want us to look in Joshua chapter number eight. I'm not going to try to read all three chapters tonight, but I want to point out something here that... uh, It's quite interesting. You know, of course, when we get into the book of Joshua, Moses has now passed away. Joshua is leading the children of Israel. Uh, That's where the book of Joshua starts. And so he's dealing with responsibility he hasn't dealt with before. And uh, we read through there, and we see him make some decisions that are wrong decisions or make some mistakes along the way, and he learns from them. He grows from them by the grace of God and the working of God and his heart toward God and the fact that he runs to God in that. But I want us to see something. Joshua chapter 8. Let me set this stage for you. I'm going to talk to you about one of the mistakes Joshua made early on. They had defeated Jericho. We know that story, right? The children of Israel led by Joshua, the first big battle that he led without Moses. And they walk around the wall once a day for seven day, six days. And then on the seventh day, they walk around the walls of Jericho seven times. And then they shout, and the walls of Jericho, the scriptures say, fall down flat. And they go up into the city. They don't take anything. It's all for the Lord. But there's one man of the children of Israel, Achan, that chooses to take a garment, a silver wedge, some gold. And that's violating the word of God. The instruction of the Lord was that they were to take nothing from Jericho. But this one man uh, acts of his own accord and takes this stuff, buries it in the scripture says the floor of his tent so this has happened and this is sort of over here in the background nobody knows about it except Achan and so they come and then there's this small town much smaller than Jericho called Ai and they ask Joshua hey should we go up to Ai and Joshua says yeah you know what you know take 3500 men that's a small that's a small group to deal with just take those and go up there and the Scripture says he inquired not of the Lord. And so he sends them, and Ai comes out against them and begins to overcome the children of Israel. And 35 Israelites are killed. They run back. Joshua is, is fraught. He's, he rends his clothes, goes before the Lord, is laying on his face before God. Right? Imagine here, you know, Jericho went really well. But all of a sudden, this small thing that was supposed to be easily dealt with didn't go so well. He runs before the Lord, and the Lord says, get up off your face. There's sin in the camp. And The Lord gives him the instruction that they need to go through to call a tribe and then a family and so on. And So they go through this process, and the Lord reveals to the children of Israel, the elders of Israel, that Achan has sinned in this thing against the Lord by disobeying the commandment of the Lord and taking things from Jericho. Isn't it interesting that the action of one man impacted the effect of the entire army of Israel? It was how much value the Lord placed on his word and obedience to his word. And so it was a brutal ending For Achan and his family, his wife, his children, and all of his stuff. They took him and his family outside the camp. Thank goodness we're not in Old Testament times anymore and under the law. Amen. They took him and his family outside the camp. They stoned all of them. Took all of his possessions, all of his goods, and burnt them with fire. Put a heap of stones there. And then... They went back to fight Ai after Joshua talked to the Lord about how do we go fight. And the Lord gave Joshua instruction on exactly what to do. He put things in place. You can read about that whole process in Joshua chapter 8. So in Joshua chapter 8, we now find Joshua and the armies of Israel going to fight Ai again. All right? That's the setting. I wanted you to understand context of what we're talking about here. And so I want to look at verse number 21 in Joshua 8 and 21. And when Joshua and all Israel saw that the ambush had taken the city, that's the city of Ai, and that the smoke of the city ascended because they had told them when they ambushed it to light it on fire, Then they turned again and they slew the men of Ai and the other. That's another army group of the army that they had set on the west side. The other issued out of the city against them. So they were in the midst of Israel, some on this side, some on that side. And they smote them so that they let notice these words. They let none of them remain or escape. None of them the king of Ai they took alive and brought to Joshua. And when Israel had made an end of slaying all the inhabitants of Ai in the field, in the wilderness where they chased them, they were all fallen on the edge of the sword till they were consumed, that all the Israelites returned to Ai and smote it with the edge of the sword. And so it was that all that fell that day of men, women, were 12,000, even all the men of Ai. For Joshua drew not his hand back, wherewith he stretched out the spear Until he had utterly destroyed all the inhabitants of Ai. Skip down to verse 29. And the king of Ai, he hanged on a tree until eventide. So we see Joshua going in, and you think, man, that is brutal. It really was. All of Ai. Every element of it destroyed all the people. Well, then you go look and fast forward to Joshua chapter 10. Joshua 9, we won't read, but here we find some people from Gibeon that fool Joshua and the elders of Israel by acting like they've come from a long way so they can make a league so that they don't get destroyed because they heard about what's happening with the children of Israel and all the people in the land as they start fighting Israel. In chapter 10... We have armies begin to sort of come together to fight against Israel. All these different kings agree to join together. I want you to watch what happens. Joshua chapter 10, skip down, verse 28. Read all of this when you have time. It's a great Bible study. There's just something I want us to see from this that I feel like is important. If you read the first part of chapter 10, you find out there were five different kings that came together. They said, you know what? We can't take the children of Israel. But we hear that Gibeon has made a league with the children of Israel. That's Joshua chapter 9. So these five kings come together and say, here's what let's do. Let's go destroy Gibeon. So these five kings come together. They go to fight the Gibeonites. They yell and send word back to the Israelites and Joshua saying, Hey, we're getting attacked. Come help us. Because of the league. Joshua, the children of Israel, go and help fight. These five kings run and hide in a cave. Well, While the children of Israel and the armies are pursuing the five armies, the kings hide in a cave. Well, Joshua, not to be deterred from pursuing the armies, says, put some stones and block them in the cave and keep pursuing. And they do so. Go to verse 28 of chapter 10. Joshua 10 and 28. And that day, Joshua took Makeda. This is the place. And smote it with the edge of the sword. And the king thereof, he utterly destroyed them. And all the souls that were therein, he let none remain. There's those words again that we said about, saw about Ai. He let none remain. And he, did the, and he did to the king of Makeda, or however you say that, as he did to the king of Jericho. Skip down to verse 30. Because he left from there and he went to Libna and fought against Libna. Verse 30 says, And the Lord delivered it also, that's Libna, and the king thereof into the hand of Israel. And he smote it with the edge of the sword and all the souls that were therein. Notice, he let none remain in it. But he did unto the king thereof as he did unto the king of Jericho. Now watch what happens. Verse 31 Then he passed from Libna and all Israel with him to Lachish and encamped against it and fought against it. And the Lord delivered Lachish into the hand of Israel, which took it on the second day, smote it with the edge of the sword, all the souls that were therein, according to all that he had done in Libna. You're starting to see a pattern here. A couple more verses, verse 33. Then Horam, king of Gezer, came up to help Lachish, and Joshua smote him and his people until he had left None remaining. And from Lachish Joshua passed to Eglon, and all Israel with him, and they encamped against it and fought against it. And they took it on that day and smote it with the edge of the sword. And all the souls that were therein he utterly destroyed that day, according to all that he had done to Lachish. Two more verses. And Joshua went up from Eglon and all Israel with him unto Hebron, and they fought against it. And they took it and smote it with the edge of the sword, and the king thereof, and all the cities thereof, and all the souls that were therein, he left none remaining. According to all that he had done to Eglon, but destroyed it utterly and all the souls that were therein. There's an interesting pattern here. If you remember, you go back, the Lord told Moses and the children of Israel when he brought them out of Egypt. He said, I'm going to take you into land I have promised you. And he told them there's these different nations there. And the only reason they're there is to preserve the land for you. But I'm going to give you the land. And you remember when they left Egypt, Egypt's a type and shadow of sin. When they crossed the Red Sea on dry ground and then Egypt pursued after them, the Lord had given them the word that after this day, you'll see the face of the Egyptians no more. Egypt followed Israel into the Red Sea. The Lord caused the Red Sea to come back together as Moses stretched his rod over the water. And all of Egypt that pursued them was destroyed, never to pursue them again. Jericho was utterly destroyed Ai was utterly destroyed, none remaining. These five kings, if you read through all chapter 10, you realize the five kings that came together, those are the five places represented that we read through some of those where all of them were utterly destroyed, and Joshua let none remain. What in the world was the Lord doing? What is this utter destruction that is happening at the hand of the armies of the living God. I was reading through those scriptures. And this is the word that came to my, to my mind. And I reflected on a time when Brother Flowers ministered about this. It's probably been a year ago. Maybe a year and a half ago. The scripture says a little leaven. What's it do? It leaveneth the whole lump. you understand what the Lord was doing. He would say, I'm giving you these lands. I'm giving you this land, but I don't intend for you to take what I've given you and occupy it with the heathen. I want you to destroy every element. Let none remain. Let none remain that would Influence you contrary to my word and to my will. Let none remain. And so you can keep reading the book of Joshua. This pattern continues of utter destruction. Utter destruction. Why? The Lord is showing a principle here through the children of Israel that we should understand. That if I try to allow a little bit to remain, it's this idea. I've, I've had people ask me along the way. When they begin to start living for God and come into relationship with God. And remember where we started, draw nigh to me, I'll draw nigh to you. And trying to have this deeper abiding relationship with God. And ask this type of question. Am I supposed to not keep the friends I have? And I want the wisdom of the Lord in that response, right? Right. Because my response is, no, kick your friends to the curb. That's not the answer. You understand. But the reality is, if I'm pursuing God, and they're not, but they remain close friends and influence, and I'm spending time there and communication there and fellowship there, Something is affecting my spirit and affecting my walk in relationship with God. And so the Lord, we see this on a broader scale where we read in Joshua, the Lord is saying, you're going to eliminate any opportunity. The only reason I had those in the land was to preserve it for you. I didn't intend for you to go into the land. If you go back and read some of those things that we read in the laws of Moses, we find he says, don't let your sons marry their daughters. What was he doing? He was preserving a people for himself. The Lord was preserving a people for himself. And we understand Old Testament Israel, this history of Israel, is a type and shadow for you and I as the church. And so when we are filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, when we've been baptized and washed in his blood, the scripture says that he has bought us with a price. And so we belong to him now. And so what does he say? He's saying, hey, I want to separate you unto myself. You're a chosen people unto me. And so the Lord, as we begin drawing nigh to him, we realize, I'm going to pick on Brother Lewis. Hypothetically speaking. Here, Come on up here, Brother Lewis. You don't need the Bible. it will be all right. So let's say... Let's say Brother Lewis is a good-for-nothing heathen, right? Doesn't care about the Word, doesn't care about the Lord, doesn't love truth. He's just living life for him. But, man, we've been good friends a long, 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 long time. And I used to be just like him. Sorry, I should have been the bad guy. I apologize. You're stuck now. Too late. Uh, And so... I'm still spending time with, is he, is he feeding my spirit? Yes, he is. He's feeding it something. He's probably not feeding it what needs to be fed. But it's affecting my spirit. And it's affecting my relationship with God. And my walk with God is hindered. Now, do I want to reach my friend with the love of God, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, with truth? Absolutely. But hear me. If he's drowning in the ocean and the storms are raging and I'm on the boat. And I got a life preserver right here. I'm going to throw in the life preserver, but I'm not jumping in the storm and raging waters and say, I'll swim out there and help you swim back. Right? That would be foolish. And so if I keep throwing him the life preserver and he's rejecting it as my friend. Our paths may cross from time to time and I'll pray for him. But I have to watch how much am I allowing of that influence in my life? Does that make sense? And so what do I have to do? I have to, and this can sound harsh, I have to start putting some separation between me and my friend. That's a hard thing to do, isn't it? But I'm. what am I doing? I'm choosing something. I'm either choosing to pursue a relationship with God and inviting him to come with me. But I can't do. and that's what can happen if i don't allow myself to be separated unto god thank you the lord through joshua destroying these armies was separating israel unto himself that's why the word of the lord was clear and joshua was being obedient let none remain now we can talk about that with friends And it's it's applicable there. It fits there in our relationships. You may hear this phrase sometimes. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. And so we see this pattern of Joshua and it's the Lord separating himself, people to himself. We use the word a lot. Holy. Holy, holiness unto the Lord. Holy is the Lord. If something is holy it is set apart. That's what it means to be holy, to be set apart for a purpose, to set apart for the use of something. God is holy. The Apostle Paul said that we should be holy as he is holy. And so the Lord seeks in minding your life when we begin pursuing relationship with him, when we choose to go into the waters of baptism and have His blood applied to our life when we allow Him and receive of His gift and are filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and His Spirit now abides in us, the Lord is seeking to set us apart unto Himself. Separate us unto Himself. I'm not talking about not having conversations with people. I'm not talking about going, okay, you know, I, I don't talk to anybody. I'm just, no, sorry, don't touch me. You're not of a... Uh, no. You understand? I've seen people take it to the extreme where they become antisocial and, oh, the church should exude the joy, the love of God. But I have to recognize when the influence coming at me is greater than the influence I'm having. Does that make sense? And so I have to let the Lord separate me unto himself. Now, if you and I want to draw nigh to him, and I know we do, and we are drawing, and he's drawing nigh to us, that drawing nigh to him is a separating of, from some other thing. We used to sing a song when I was younger. I know you guys love that I always think of songs, but they had meaning. They, had, they meant something. We uh, sang a song that said, The things of this world will go strangely dim." Remember that turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face and the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Things that used to satisfy you and I before we had a relationship with God, they just don't do it for us anymore. Why? Because we realize how valueless they are in relationship to him and how much value we place on that relationship. And so the Lord had Joshua destroying, let none remain. Now I want you to see a contrast here. Go with me to the book of 1 Samuel. Chapter 15. Verse number 2, 1 Samuel 15, 2. The Lord is speaking to Saul, who is the king of Israel now. Listen what the Lord says to him. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now, again, the Lord is speaking to Saul the king. Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not, but slay both man, woman, infant. He lays it all out there. Let none of Amalek remain. Animals, people, utterly destroy. Verse four Saul gathered the people together, numbered them in wherever that was, that many people. Verse five Saul came to a city of Amalek and laid wait in the valley. Now, you can read this passage of Scripture. Saul goes in with the armies of Israel. They smite Amalek. Saul takes the king of Amalek, doesn't kill him, takes him. They hang on to some of the sheep and some of the oxen. What was the word of the Lord to do? Utterly destroy all of it. They held on to some of that. And so Samuel goes to meet up with Saul after this battle. Samuel, the man of God, the prophet. Verse 10, skip down there. Or verse 9, let's do verse 9. This is what we were just talking about. Saul and the people spared Agag, that was the king, and the best of the sheep and the oxen, the fatlands, the lambs, and all that was good, and would not utterly destroy them, but everything that was vile and refuse, that they destroyed. So they begin to choose, pick and choose. You know, this isn't so bad from Amalek. Let's keep this. This, this is clearly not good. Let's destroy. You know, this looks like it has value. This this isn't so bad. Yes, it's from Amalek, but come on. It's good. And they kept it. Oh, this is evil. Let's destroy. But the word of the Lord was clear. Everything that's from Amalek, destroy it. But they didn't. Verse 10. Then came the word of the Lord to Samuel, saying, watch what the, how the Lord feels about this. It repents me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he's turned back from following me. What? The Lord said, Saul has turned back. From following me. And has not performed my commandments. And Watch. It grieved Samuel. And he cried unto the Lord all night. And when Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning. It was told Samuel saying. Saul came to Carmel. and Behold he set him up a place. And has gone about and passed on and go down to Gilgal. Samuel came to Saul. And Saul said to him. Blessed be thou of the Lord. Notice Saul's words. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Had he? No. He had already begun justifying in his own mind. Justifying his actions. I did enough of what the Lord said. Hear me, the subtlety of the enemy doesn't change. I did enough of what the Lord said. I mean, I, you know, I technically obeyed the Lord. I, I know that's not what it says. But I performed, this is his view, verse 14. Notice Samuel's response. Samuel said, What means the bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen that I hear? You're telling me you did, but I'm, I'm hearing something that doesn't match what you're telling me. Where's that coming from? And Saul said, Oh, they have brought them from the Amalekites for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord, thy God and the rest. We have utterly destroyed. Samuel said to Saul, stay. I'll tell you what the Lord will say this night. Saul says, go ahead. And Samuel said, when you were little in your own sight, were you not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed you king over Israel. And the Lord sent you on a journey and said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them till they be consumed. Wherefore, then, did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Somehow, Saul started finding value in the things of the world again. Somehow he started placing value on the things that had no value to God. And he started trying to justify. Well, this isn't so bad. I'll hold on to that. That can have value. And if you read a little further, we won't take the time tonight. You read through there. He begins to say, well, you know, those good oxen and sheep, we were going to sacrifice them to the Lord. I, I had a plan for that. Saul, the Lord said, utterly destroy it. He didn't ask you to make your own plan. And this, it's from this passage of Scripture where we get the often quoted Scripture that says, is not obedience better than sacrifice? Saul was pointing to making a sacrifice. Samuel was pointing to the fact that he chose not to obey. It's interesting Again, take the time, read these chapters later. Samuel says, bring the king Agag here. So they go and get the king, because remember, they didn't kill him yet. They bring him up, and king Agag recognizes, this guy looks a little angry. And so king Agag says, you know, isn't it enough? Isn't there enough bloodshed now? And the old prophet Samuel takes a sword. Not the king Saul. The old prophet Samuel takes a sword, and the scripture says he hewed King Agag into pieces. Doesn't say he killed him. I mean, he did. But he didn't just one and done. The scripture says he hewed him into pieces. The man of God was trying to send a message to the children of Israel Utterly destroy means utterly destroy. Search it out in scripture. We won't take the time tonight. At Saul's death. An Amalekite was involved. At the time of Saul's death. An Amalekite was involved. If he would have obeyed the word of the Lord. fill the Holy Ghost right now. Now we've made reference to friends. And the Amalekites and different kings. Hear me. If we're not careful as children of God, we'll begin to allow things of the world to have place in our homes and in our lives that bring no value and no glory to God. And we'll begin to justify them. It's harmless entertainment, it's just something to occupy my time, but it's no harm. But yet it's created by the God of this world and it's feeding something in our spirit one way or the other. And it's either allowing us to draw nigh to God. Or it's not. And a little leaven can leaven the whole lump. I'll never forget. Um. A pastor I had years ago when I was a kid. He's passed on now. He made this statement. And I don't have it verbatim, but it stuck with me this way. That what first calls for tolerance. Will then call for acceptance. And then will call for approval. To the point that what at one time We said, absolutely not, and would not even tolerate. Our first step of letting down our guard is going, well, I'll tolerate that, but just not in my house. And then we go from tolerance to, well, you know what? I'll accept it, but I don't necessarily approve of it. And then you go from, well, you know, I guess it's not all that bad. I have friends that. And we begin to move the line Without recognizing the line we're moving is the word of God. And it's impacting our relationship with God. Because we're allowing some of Amalek Amalek to live. We're allowing some of these kingdoms to live. When the principle of the word of God is utterly destroy it. Why don't you stand with me tonight? The Apostle Paul made a statement. He was writing to the church, of course. It's interesting that he was writing this to the church. He said to the church, come out from among them. He was speaking of the world in which they lived. Hadn't that already taken place? Apparently, there was still a little bit. He said, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. So it wasn't just some guys. He was speaking under the inspiration and instruction. Be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And I will receive you unto myself. If you look at that in the Greek where he said, touch not the unclean thing, it's really an interesting picture. It's like a vine that would grow on the side of a building. It uses that metaphor where the second it begins to make contact, it finds a way to somehow get a hold and it can grow and cover that whole building. And so Paul was saying, don't even touch it. Don't even let it make contact. Because the second you let it make contact, it will begin to spread. Touch not the unclean thing. As these scriptures have been turning in my spirit. I've felt the Lord reminding me of where we are in time. And where we are as a congregation of people. And his desire to work through us reaching in these valleys as we've talked about consistently these last few months. And I hear the beckoning of the Lord that's saying, separate from all those things. Utterly destroy those things. Be separated wholly unto me. I'll receive you. And he's wanting to move and work and operate through our lives with no hindrance With no hindrance, with no resistance, without anything that would cloud or get in the way. So he's inviting us. He's inviting us to draw near to him. I'd like to open this altar to you tonight. I just want to give you a chance to respond to him. Would you do that? Would you talk to him about areas maybe where, if he's dealt with your heart, where you've maybe... Allowed or tolerated or something that if he would have illuminated something to you tonight would you bring that to him and be willing to release that to him and say God by your grace and by your anointing I'll utterly destroy that thing I'll not give it place in my life in my family in my home I want to draw nigh to you Lord I want to draw nigh to you Lord I want you drawing nigh unto me.
1: Amen. I find it significant how Joshua would go from one kingdom to the next kingdom to the next kingdom. We there's not just one issue. I mean, I, I don't doubt that the Lord is illuminating issues to us tonight. But in as you think about applying this in your life, in your home, we don't just have one. Enemy, we—I guess I could say our enemy has many facets, and it could be a trick to to fixate on one and think, okay, as long as I got this issue conquered, I'm good. That's not how it was with Joshua, even as Elder Hart said, it, it, with the first battle being Jericho, and and they could think we're good from here on out because we won this biggest battle and the first one, and then the next thing that they face a small thing ends up being something that has to be dealt with just as well. And, and as Elder Hart said that, he mentioned the term kingdoms, multiple. That stood out to me. I want, my, I want every area of my life to be free of any influence of any other kingdom other than his kingdom. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask my wife to come make an announcement uh, regarding this weekend before we dismiss Sister Flowers.
2: So this Saturday, um, did anybody get a chance to go back and see the kids praying on Sunday? It was really sweet. A lot of our younger children um, who don't have the Holy Ghost were responding, and it was really sweet. Um, This Saturday they're doing in Ellensburg at the Ellensburg Church. I'll share it within the group. I think we shared it once before, but I'm going to share it again. And um, they're going to have what they're calling a junior camp for a day at the Ellensburg Church. And I think he said there's going to be, like, a, a service. It's the same guy who was with us Sunday they're doing a, like a children's revival service and games and a cookout, and the ages for a junior camp are 7 through 12, and so as long as you have children within that age range, everybody's welcome um, from your family, and um, they, I, I believe this is also a way for parents to be familiar with what takes place at camp, which is something that I would want if I hadn't been, if you know what I'm saying. So I just don't know how anybody just puts their kids on a car to go to camp for five days. I just don't even know. Um, so yeah, you're all invited. It's free. Um, and I guess you do register, which I have not done. So there is a registration um, just so they can know how many kids are coming. So It is 11 to 5. Any more questions? So I'll post this in the group.
1: Amen. You're dismissed. Greet one another.